This is Steve Smith at WCG Patient Radio. WCG is a company focused on the ethical, safe, and efficient conduct of clinical trials. We're speaking today with Brian Lowe, founder and CEO of Inspire, whose Inspire.com is a group of online patient communities where people with serious health conditions go to meet and to discuss with others. They discuss their disease or condition, possible treatments, medical research going on, and they offer comfort of communication to each other as like-minded people. They offer the ability to collaborate with each other and sometimes to help medical researchers plan research, find clinical trials, and form community that has a strength of collective voice. Hello, Brian. Hello, Steve. Good to be here. Thank you. Brian Lowe, you founded the online group of web communities found at inspire.com and have grown it to a substantial number of patients speaking to each other within a substantial number of disease communities. Tell us about what Inspire is exactly. That's right. Today, Inspire is 2 million patients and caregivers organized by therapeutic area or disease category, and about 110 national patient advocacy organizations, household names like the American Lung Association or the Thyroid Cancer Association. Um, And patients come to Inspire um, to talk with one another, share information. Um, There's a a lot of discussion about the practical and emotional aspects of living with a medical condition. And the members of Inspire are both patients and caregivers and some medical professionals. So what is the value to them of of doing those things? I mean, I know it's nice to talk to like-minded people, but what's the larger value? I mean, that's kind of the core question. We often ask ourselves when... When a member wakes up in the morning and goes to Inspire, what, what makes them want to go? Why, why are they there? Um, Inspire is free, by the way, for patients and caregivers, and it's free for these nonprofit patient advocacy organizations. Um, I think all of us, every one of us has a fundamental human need to connect with other people to, dis- to discuss the human condition. And if you have a serious medical condition, a big part of that is living with your disease, being as well as you can, um, learning how to cope with it and improve um, your condition to the extent that's possible. And um, by the way, this sort of fundamental human instinct seems to be true regardless of what condition you have and whether it's uh, acute or chronic. Um, and uh, and I, I think that's, that's the reason. So in some ways, Inspire is just kind of a, a peaceable kingdom, a safe, uh, a safe, trusted online space for people to, to come. And a lot of the value of Inspire is created by the members themselves. Well, that's quite a few patients. You mentioned 2 million patients and 110 patient advocacy groups. Um, There must be a tremendous value, especially since a lot of those people have very serious diseases. And so uh, they probably aren't in the mood to uh, do do something they don't consider a value, that their time is of the essence. Right. I think so. Right. What led you to starting Inspire in the first place? But, you know, when we started Inspire, which is 15 years ago, we found that the online spaces for people to share health information were um, were often not very well run. There was a there was a problem very commonly with spam um, and with the lack of moderation. So sometimes bad behavior was um, was able to sort of um, get out of control. And I think the result was that the members of those online spaces felt like it wasn't the kind of place where they would want to share sensitive um, medical information. Um, the other thing was that these these patient advocacy organizations that I mentioned oftentimes were trying to provide 
this kind of support to their members. But the only way for them to do it would be to start a community from scratch. And that's very difficult and takes takes a whole lot of work. Um, so we thought that there was a real need for this to exist. And since, you know, we looked around and didn't see anyone else creating it, we decided to do it ourselves. Um, you have um, drawn a lot of people to this site. And one of the reasons um, one can see when one goes there and looks at inspire.com is how many, um, how rich the resources are and right. how it's you're finding things there you might not be able to find anyplace else. And you've recently added a resource, a web, part of the website for COVID-19 that mm -hmm. is of interest to patients. And it's a very nice one, by the way. I've looked at it. You. And on your site, one can see a part of it where there are a number of patients whose photos we see. And if we click on each photo, we see a video of each patient. Right. One at a time, we can watch them talk about their own disease and the situation they find themselves in. For example, as a person with a compromised immune system who needs to go to the hospital or to other clinics and yet is wary during the COVID-19 time of going out into public in order just to get to the clinic. And then what will ha happen at the clinic if they encounter COVID patients or anybody who's carrying COVID when they have a compromised immune system, as many people with cancer and other diseases do. So this website acknowledges that. It shows you the real people. And um, it's a way of these patients' voices saying, hey, you know, if if anybody can stay home, it's us that you're protecting when you do that. So what are you hearing on through your patient communities and Inspire about COVID in general? What are some of the trends? What are, the, what are patients saying besides this? Um, what about the clinical trial sponsors um, who are also looking at your site? Mm -hmm. What kind of insights would we glean from patients based on what they're saying on the site? Right. We, we see kind of the full spectrum of human disease. So you have some people who, as you mentioned, have, are immunocompromised and are already concerned about um, sort of uh, about being exposed to coronavirus and perhaps um, be more likely to get it than other people would. There's a lot of concern there. There are some people who are taking immunosuppressive therapy for other conditions they have and are concerned that they might be more susceptible to coronavirus as a result. Um, then you have other people who have medical conditions and are finding it difficult to get uh, drugs that are used to treat their own condition um, because those drugs are being used for coronavirus. There's a lot of concern and discussion around that. Um, you also have members who are talking about um, difficulty to travel, difficulty to visit their doctor or hospital where they've been receiving care. We have a number of patients who were in the middle of a clinical trial who, you know, as, as the outbreak occurred and their clinical trial has been put on hold or halted and are very frustrated because of that. Um, so as, as you said, we're getting kind of feedback from all of these members. And we've, we, we sent out a call inviting members who, who wished to, um, to tell their stories with video. And as you can see on that, on that page, um, you can see a lot of really, I think, thoughtful stories told by patients. Um, by the way, the, the address for that, anyone who's interested, is inspire.com slash coronavirus. Inspire.com slash coronavirus. Right. Um, Inspire, so you can also improve clinical research. You just mentioned patients want to express their voice and tell people things. Right. And... In, in improving clinical research, their voice can be a great help to researchers trying to develop new treatments for their diseases. Right. Right. So can you talk a little bit about how does this work and how do 
Sure. How do companies get patient information from Inspire? What are they looking sure. for? And do patients really want to do this? And is their personal sure. identity protected? Tell us right. about that. The, the kind of fundamental premise of all the research that we do is that it's voluntary and the patient should be in control of the decision to participate or not participate. So it, we really do it in two ways. One is clinical trial recruitment, where we invite members to participate in clinical trials that are going on. And in that case, um, we're a little bit like a, a matchmaker. We, we don't conduct the research ourselves, but we, we find patients who are appropriate for it and then invite them to participate. And then we connect them with the sponsor and step out of the way. The, the role that we play there is that we have, as you said, large numbers of patients um, and often very difficult to find um, diseases. And we also are, are able to learn a lot about those members um, by information they share with us. So we invite those patients to, to participate. Um, they can choose to ignore the invitation, in which case nothing happens, or they could raise their hand and choose to participate. Um, and the so second there's, way so there's is, no pressure to participate. That's right. That's right. I think it's really important. We feel that members be in control um, of that decision at all times. So this this control theme, you'll hear me mention time and time again that they should be in control of the decision to participate. They should be in control of what data they want to share, um, and they should be able to change that that preference at any time. Um, you know, in the second way that they help research or or um, or um, medical progress is by um, we we invite them also to share information about um, about their their health and so they can share um, patient reported information um, physical characteristics they can choose to share their clinical data um, we invite them sometimes to get um, genetically sequenced uh, and this is super super useful because a lot of patients want to accelerate medical progress and they know that they can do so by offering to participate in research. Again, the, the crucial part of it all is that the choice is theirs. And so um, I use the word invite, you know, intentionally that we invite patients to participate and they choose whether to participate or not. And what we found is that when we give, when we give patients that level of control, their um, inclination to participate increases greatly. This is the kind of information that um, pharmaceutical drug developers need in order to um, do a better job designing and running their clinical trials. So this is, right. I can see the, the value in that. Right. How have the attitudes uh, changed in clinical research regarding the information patients can provide and its value to clinical research? I, I'm, I'm glad to see, I'm really heartened that in the, the time Inspire has existed, that um, there seems to be more and more um, interest among researchers in patient perspectives and a recognition that patients by participating can really play a role. I, um, I think crucial to this is, is that the patients are not playing doctor. They're not suggesting that they are replacing scientists or researchers, but rather um, they, they are saying that they want to be heard, they want to participate, and they want to help um, those researchers conduct their research. Um, but, but having said that, sometimes great ideas come from the patients themselves, and there have been, um, there have been examples of research we've done where um, uh, patients themselves have initiated research and found researchers who want to do it. Um, uh, there was a good example of this in work we've done with Mayo Clinic, and there are a lot of other examples as, as well. So um, I know that you have a lot of the um, um, common diseases, uh, cancer and so forth, in your sure. uh, online communities. What are sure. some of the other communities you have there? Yeah, we have about three three thousand five hundred different diseases represented in Inspire. So all of the all of the common ones, as you mentioned, um, but also uh, about one third of our members are um, have 
cancer or our caregivers, and about one quarter or about 27% uh, rare disease. And obviously there's, there are rare cancers as well, so there's overlap. Um, in the case of, of rare disease, I think Inspire is particularly strong for rare disease and cancer. And the reason is that um, a lot of times in the case of rare disease, you might not know someone in your neighborhood or your town who has your rare disease, but you can find hundreds or even thousands of those people online and worldwide. And so there are some Inspire communities where we have uh, 30, 40, 50% of the known um, US population for a rare disorder. And the members of that community find um, great value in connecting with one another around their, their condition. Yeah, that's good good to, to hear. And rare disease people have learned to uh, get together uh, in some way in order, whether it's a conference where you now would have to travel, but being online is better that's to get right. the numbers up so that they can have a bigger collective voice. And doctors have learned perhaps in the rare disease community better than others to work together with patients, ad, patient advocacy groups, especially. That's right. Uh, haven't they? Yeah, they're, they're absolutely true. Um, in, many of the rare disease um, patient advocacy groups were started by the parents of a child with a rare disease or, or a family member. And um, because geographically these patients are so spread out, some of the specialists in, in rare medical conditions um, may only have a handful of patients or their patients may travel to them from far away. The, the other thing going on is that these patients also become uh, often become what are called you know citizen scientists, where they become so extremely educated educated about their medical condition that doctors rightly recognize that patients have an enormous amount to contribute. Um, in my my observation, the the doctors who um, who recognize the value their patients can contribute are the ones who make the most progress in research. In general, do you think patients are interested also in actually finding ways to directly participate in clinical trials as in taking yeah. the, um, the experimental drugs and seeing if that will work and contributing that way? The way, the, the way I think about it is that um, the short answer is yes, but it's only some patients. So instead of thinking of patients, uh, instead of thinking of there being an average position, what we instead see is that there's a, there's a cohort of patients who feel um, very inclined to do so. And there's also a cohort of patients who, who, who don't want to do so. Um, and and those people's you know positions may change. Um, so what we find is that again, if we describe the research going on or the clinical trial going on, and we invite members to participate, and we tell them what it means to participate, and we give them the choice, what we'll find is that there are a fraction of patients who really do want to participate, and their reasons could range from um, wanting to get better themselves uh, to wanting to contribute to discoveries um, and to feel that they're helping medical progress. Well, th th these are um, amazing insights, and it sounds like you derive a lot of insights, and so do drug researchers and patients themselves from Inspire.com. We're out of time, unfortunately. Thank you very much for speaking with us today, Brian. Thank you, Steve. I really enjoyed it. We have been speaking today with Brian Lowe, founder and CEO of the online patient communities found at Inspire.com. This is WCG Patient Radio. Thanks to our executive producer, Lauren Osmore, and our technical director, David Fogel. Thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye.